Hello, everyone. And today on the Main Street Finance Podcast, we are going to be talking about health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts, what they are, some of the rules behind them, and how you can use them as extra retirement savings. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. All right, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about HSAs and FSAs. But before we get into that, we're going to need to get a little bit of an introduction on workplace insurance plans. Basically, what happens is it's a deduction from your withholdings. So it comes out of your check before it even hits your bank account. And then you are bought into the employee insurance plan. So how insurance basically works, it's a lot like in the last episode where we talked about it, how the villagers know that some calamity is going to happen. Somebody's going to have this expense. So instead of taking the risk that you all of a sudden have to put up all this money, what happens is everyone puts up a little bit, and then whoever it happens to, they get the money to take care of the problem. So there's a couple terms we're going to have to cover before we really get into today's subject matter. And the first is going to be a deductible. Now, what a deductible is, it's the amount of money that you have to pay out of pocket before insurance comes in. Your deductible, let's say it's $500. If you need to go and get a surgery that costs $10,000, you got to pay the first $500, and then insurance comes in after that. The reason a deductible exists is because they don't want you filing an insurance claim for every $100 Band-Aid that you have to get. So they really want you to, if you're going to go and file a claim with insurance, they want it to be for something substantial. For that purpose, they have the deductible that, hey, don't even call us unless you're spending this $500 first. And the second term we really have to cover before we get into our subject matter today is going to be an out-of-pocket maximum. So what that means is typically insurance doesn't cover everything. So if we go back to our example that you have to do a $10,000 surgery, well, first there's going to be your deductible, which let's just say is $500. So you're going to pay the first $500, and then everything after that, insurance might cover 70%, and then you'll cover 30%. The percentages are going to depend on your plan, but let's just say it goes like that. So the first 500 is covered by you, then the remaining 9,500 is that split of whatever insurance is going to cover versus whatever you're going to cover. But what's going to happen is you're liable for that percentage up to a certain cap. According to your plan, there's going to be a number somewhere in the paperwork that says, hey, here is your out-of-pocket maximum which is this is the maximum that your portion is going to be. So say your out-of-pocket maximum is $2,000. You pay that first $500. Then you have that, let's say, 80-20 split of insurance pays the 80%. You pay 20 of whatever comes after that deductible. Once your deductible plus your 20% hits that out-of-pocket maximum, which we're saying is $2,000, then insurance covers 100% after that. So in a worst-case scenario... Your out-of-pocket maximum is exactly what it sounds like. It's the most that you will possibly be expected to spend out-of-pocket per year. And that's about as far as I'm going to go into it, as far as the specifics of how insurance works. And looking at the schedule of episodes I'm going to be releasing, it's looking like a deep dive of insurance is going to be at or around episode 43, which, yes, before I start getting emails on it, Uh, I have my episode list planned out till episode 64 so far. But if y'all have questions, comments, concerns, you could always shoot me a tweet at Main Street Money, or you feel free to shoot me an email at 
MainStreetFinance at gmail.com. The order of the episodes is kind of set in my phone, but if y'all decide there's certain things y'all want to hear first or in a higher priority, just go ahead and send that over to me. Y'all's influence, what y'all want, will definitely influence what order these things come out. But I'm really trying to get the basics first. I, I want to get a wide net of the basics before we start getting deeper into things. But that's going to be enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into the subject matter of today's episode. The flexible spending accounts, or FSA, or the health savings accounts, or HSA, those two accounts are made to go through your employer. So it's kind of like a 401k in that it's an employer-sponsored plan. Although with an HSA, you can get those separate. But I digress. So both of those accounts are meant to work in conjunction with your health insurance. They're meant to be savings accounts for you to be spending towards medical purposes. How they each work is incredibly different, and especially how you use them, how you plan for them, and even the eligibility requirements. For eligibility requirements, the main thing that's going to determine whether you get an FSA or an HSA is going to be the deductible of your health plan. So if you have a low deductible health plan, which means the amount you have to spend out of pocket before insurance comes in, if it's a low deductible health plan, it's going to be an FSA or a flexible spending account. If you have a high deductible health plan, which means you got to come out of pocket quite a bit more before insurance even looks at you. If you have a high deductible health plan, you're going to have a health savings account. So a way you can think about that are the two H's. You have a high deductible you can get a health savings account, high deductible HSA, two H's. So when you first get hired at a new job and you get benefits, chances are your employer is going to have a high deductible health plan and a low deductible health plan. Now, we've already discussed a little bit about those deductibles, but let's talk about the cost a little bit. If you have a low deductible health plan, that means you pay a little bit of money, then it goes to insurance. Now, because you're spending a little bit and then immediately pushing it off on insurance, insurance is going to have to pay out more money to you more often. Or statistically, they're going to be paying out to you more than the high deductible people. So because they're expected to pay more, you're expected to pay more. When something happens and you make a claim, you can go and just throw it at the insurance company. But when nothing does happen, your premiums or the amount you're paying per month to have the insurance plan, your premiums are going to be much higher with a low deductible health plan because they know you're going to be reaching out to them more and more to get them to pay for stuff. Conversely, if you have a high deductible health plan, you need to come out of pocket a lot more. You need to pay a lot more money before you can even talk to the insurance company. So because of that, you're going to be going to them a lot less often. So they're going to have to pay you a lot less in claims. What's going to happen is because they're spending a lot less money on you and more on the low deductible folks, you get a bit of a discount on the premiums. Because you got to pay more out of pocket, they are going to make you pay less for the insurance plan. So let's talk a little bit about these dollar figures here. Now keep in mind, these numbers can change every year. So this is just going to be for 2020. Typically, these things go up each year. So it's just something you're just going to have to research or your HR department will be able to tell you year to year. So to have an HSA, you need to have a qualified high deductible plan. Now, how do they define high deductible? Well, if you're just getting insurance for yourself and it's just you, that deductible is $1,400. So $1,400. If you have a family plan, that's going to be $2,800. So that's the deductible. So if it's just you, you need to pay $1,400 before insurance kicks in. 
Now, $1,400, I wouldn't really consider that to be too, too much money because what happens is if you've listened to the budget episode and you have six months or three months of an emergency fund, I would be willing to bet that that three to six months of savings is going to cover $1,400 or if you have a family, $2,800. I I would gamble on that. If you have adequate savings to where you can cover that deductible and because you have a high deductible plan, you're going to be paying less for your insurance every month and you get access to the HSA. I know I keep pushing off telling you about it, but I promise we're going to get there. There's just a lot of stuff we got to cover first. So keep in mind that $1,400 and that $2,800 number That is the minimum qualifying deductible for your health insurance plan to be considered a high-deductible health plan. That's not to say that all of the deductibles for those are going to be $1,400 and $1,800. That just means if your deductible for your company is $2,000 for an individual, it qualifies as a high-deductible health plan. So those numbers that I gave are just sort of the minimum for you to get an HSA or for your plan to be considered high deductible. You're going to want to talk to your HR department to see what the actual deductible is. So if you have a low deductible health plan, which means your deductible is below that $1,400 or $2,800 number, if you have a low deductible health plan, that means you get access to an FSA or a flexible spending account. So an FSA, as we talked about before, is a savings option for paying for health care costs for your employer-sponsored health care plan. Now, a flexible spending account allows you to save money from your paycheck pre-tax. So it's a lot like a traditional 401k or traditional IRA. You don't pay taxes on it when it goes into the account. You can contribute up to $2,750 for 2020. So that's the IRS definition. So the IRS allows you to put in a maximum $2,750. But since FSAs are managed by the employers, an employer can impose a lower limit. Even though the IRS says you can put in more, that's more the IRS telling the companies what they can allow you to put in. So it's going to be whatever your employer says. So you're going to need to check with HR on that one. But the FSA allows you to put in pre-tax income to go into your account. So it saves you on the taxes. Then you're able to pull it out throughout the year for your health care expenses. So that FSA money can go to your deductible. You can have pre-tax money go towards your deductible, and then insurance takes over the rest. Now, keep in mind, because this is a low deductible health plan, it's a low deductible. And then also, you're going to be paying more in premiums every month. So it's sort of a balance. You're going to be paying more in premiums every month, but you get the FSA, which allows you to put in pre-tax dollars so that you don't pay income taxes on it, and you can use that money to cover the deductible, but they still hit you with the higher premiums. So it's sort of a balance that you need to deal with. Here's where everything goes downhill, at least for me. You were contributing however much you want up to that plan limit, which is set by your employer, but what happens if you don't use that money? FSA funds do not roll over. So if you put in $2,000 for 2020 and you only spend $1,500, there's $500 left. A lot of employers will give you a grace period. So maybe the first three or four months of 2021 or the following year or whatever, you can still use that money. But if you don't use the money within the time frame, it's gone. It doesn't stay in your account. You don't get to keep it. It doesn't get refunded. It gets forfeited to the plan. So it's going to help someone else down the road or... It's- <laughs> So it's going to help the company down the road, but not you. So if you put in that money, it's not used, it's gone. And that's why I don't like those plans. If you get the low deductible health plan, you can put in pre-tax dollars, but if you don't use it, it's gone. So you're not paying taxes on money that you don't get. And also, because it's a low deductible, you're going to be paying higher premiums every month. 
So that's sort of an overview of the low deductible health plan. Now, there's a reason I didn't put FSA in the title of this episode, and that's because I don't like them. So let's talk about HSAs and how those are magical. So HSAs, or health savings accounts, are special savings accounts that you can use if you have a high deductible health plan. Those are considered the holy grail of retirement savings for the following reason. It is triple tax advantaged. And what do I mean by that? Well, imagine a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA combined. So what happens is all the money you put in is pre-tax. So you do not get taxed on the money you put in. And then it grows tax-free. And then as long as you pull out the money for a qualified medical expense, there's no taxes coming out. So what this means is you never pay taxes on this money. No taxes going in, no taxes as it grows, and no taxes as it comes out if you use it for a medical purpose. So you might be asking, why is this so magical if I'm going to lose all the money at the end of the year anyway? Well, with an HSA, you don't. The account and the money is yours. With a flexible spending account, that account is owned and managed by your employer. An HSA is yours. Basically, it's an IRA. It doesn't go through your employer. It doesn't have to. You can set it up with whoever you want, and then that money is yours, which means if you put in your contributions and you don't end up using it, it just rolls over. It just keeps going, and you can keep contributing to it year after year after year. If you use it, if you don't use it, whatever. You still get the tax advantage going in. You don't get taxed as it grows. And whenever you do decide to pull it out, no taxes as it comes out. So since it rolls over year to year for basically ever, you can use it as a retirement savings plan. Because as most people know, you're going to have a lot of health care expenses as you get older. And HSA funds, I went ahead and I pulled up a list here. HSA funds can be used to pay for doctor's office co-payments, health insurance deductibles, dental expenses, vision care, which includes eye exams, eyeglasses, prescriptions, insulin, Medicare premiums, hearing aids, hospital, physical therapy, wheelchairs, walkers, x-rays. The list goes on. Basically, as you get older and your body starts falling apart, that's when you can use this money. So you can contribute to it when you're 20, 30, 40, whatever. And then when you turn 65, now all of a sudden you have all your medical expenses basically paid for because you've had it sitting in your HSA. Now, another benefit of an HSA, it's not a savings account. So with an FSA, it basically just sits there. It sits there, doesn't really gain interest. And just if you need it, it it's there. Merry Christmas. With an HSA, because it can roll over, you can invest that money. An HSA can be used as an investment account. So you can go and invest in stocks and bonds through your HSA and let it grow. Now, here's another trick that is really fun to do in HSA. You can reimburse yourself for out-of-pocket expenses that you've incurred and you paid for cash before you've taken it out of the HSA. So if you go to the doctor's office and they charge you $250, you pay it out of your debit card. You can then go to your HSA and pay yourself back. And since you're paying yourself back for a qualified medical expense, you can pull that money out and it's still tax-free because you pulled it out for that qualified medical expense. Now, you might be wondering how that's helpful. Well, it's helpful because there's no deadline on that. It doesn't have to be in the same year. And what that means is you can pay for medical treatment now and reimburse yourself later. Now, if you didn't get the gravity of that, you can pay for your surgery when you're, let's say, 40. Let's say it's a $20,000 surgery. You pay for it out of pocket with your insurance, but what you pay for it out of pocket, well, you could have used your HSA funds for it. Well, since you didn't, you can hold on to that receipt, and when you turn 65, or really at any time, you can use that receipt to go, oh, hey, I need to pull out this $20,000 out of my HSA. So the strategy you can do here 
is assuming you have a good three to six months of emergency funds or even more if that's what you need to feel comfortable. Personal finance is personal. I don't think I've said that in a while. If you have a good emergency savings account, you can pay for all your out-of-pocket medical expenses out of just your savings account because you have it. And then you can keep putting that money in to an HSA and letting it grow and invest because an emergency fund, that's what it's there for. If you have some kind of emergency medical whatever, you can let insurance take over it and let your deductible and out-of-pocket costs come out of your savings account because that's what it's there for. But if you hold on to all of the receipts, you can pay for that out-of-pocket and keep investing that HSA money, let it compound, let it grow. So then at retirement... You now have 20 years worth of medical expenses that you have the receipts for that you can pull all that money out tax-free. So what ends up happening is you're paying all your out-of-pocket medical expenses out of pocket and not using your HSA money. Meanwhile, you're putting that HSA money away and it's compounding, compounding, compounding. So you now have a new retirement savings account that you've been putting thousands of dollars in that you didn't pay taxes in at the beginning. You didn't pay taxes on the growth, and now you have a shoebox full of 20 years worth of medical receipts that you are now able to reimburse yourself years later. And because you're reimbursing yourself, you don't have to use that money for a qualifying medical expense, so you can pull that money out tax-free and spend it on whatever you want. So, knowing what you know now about an FSA or an HSA, do you want to go with a high-deductible health plan or a low-deductible health plan? If you go with a low-deductible health plan, you are going to have to pay less out-of-pocket for a deductible, but your monthly insurance premium is going to be much higher. But you're able to get an FSA. You get that FSA that you can contribute pre-tax money to and potentially lose some of it. Or you can go with a high-deductible health plan. Now, with a high-deductible health plan, you're going to pay less every month for your premium, But for that, you're going to have to pay a much higher deductible. If you're following the principles of a healthy financial foundation, you've got that high deductible sitting in a savings account for just this occasion. So essentially, with that lower monthly premium, you are being rewarded for having that healthy savings account. But the best part is you get access to that HSA. And with that HSA, you put in that money with no taxes going in, no taxes on the growth, and if you hold on to your receipts... You can let that money get invested, and you can pull it out tax-free. So I'm going to leave y'all with one last word of wisdom on the subject here. Notice that in the names of these accounts, you have a flexible spending account and a health savings account. You have a flexible spending account, which is meant to be spent. If you don't spend it, it's gone. Or you have a health savings account, which is meant to be saved and invested. And that's about all I'm going to say on the subject. And with that, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. But I do have a couple announcements. Uh, First off, we are officially an international podcast. Uh, As a podcast creator, you get some information on this percentage of your listeners come from this general area. It's not linked to a specific listener. It just tells me where my listeners are. So I'd like to give a shout out to my one listener each in India and the UK. And also, I've noticed a lot of my geotag data that it tells me is places where I personally know people. So I shared it on Facebook, someone went and saw it. But I'm starting to notice some new areas here. I have no idea who these people are. So special shout out to my two listeners in Virginia and my two listeners in Massachusetts. I'm glad to have you here. I'm happy you're getting some value out of the podcast. And thanks for listening. So another thing, I'm going to start doing some book giveaways because I am not above bribery. So what I'm going to do is for the next couple weeks, I'm going to do a special Friday episode where I'm going to review a big personal finance book. 
I'm going to do just a five, six minute episode of reviewing the book. And then at the end of the episode, I'll give you some information on how to enter the contest to where I will give you the book for free. I'm going to pay the postage. I'm going to mail it to you. And even if you want to, if it's worth anything, I'll sign it for you. (laughs) Although I imagine my signature means virtually nothing unless it's on a check. But anyway, be looking out for that coming up this Friday. I'm going to be doing our first couple books here. I went to the bookstore the other day. I've got about six or seven books that I'm going to review and talk about and if you should look into getting them, and then I'll give them away for free. So last thing before we get out of here, since the last episode, I went ahead and I created a Twitter page for the account. I'll be posting some random articles I found good or some tips and tricks or some commentary on things that are going on in the market. And every now and then, maybe I'll let you know that there's a new episode coming out. So you can find us on Twitter at Main Street Money. Unfortunately, Main Street Finance is already taken, and I didn't feel like doing the numbers at the end of it. So I went ahead and laid claim to Main Street Money. Go ahead and feel free to follow us there. Our YouTube channel is still going strong. I have about four spreadsheets now uploaded to the drive for the show that you can just download those spreadsheets and use for your own stuff. And as always, there's the Gmail account. It's mainstfinance at gmail.com. Feel free to send me an email if you want a certain subject talked about. Maybe you want a shout out or just you want to ask me a question. Go ahead and go for it. Shoot me a tweet. Send me an email. But until then, I'll see all you cool cats and kittens on Friday. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.